Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds in End. We're getting ready for the trading week starting on the 20th. We're post-Super Bowl, post-Valentine's, post-President's Day. It's time to get serious. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Not too bad, but we do have a shortened week. You know, it's a four-day week, so everything's compressed again. Uh, so I hope, hope you, everyone had a, a good uh, long weekend. And uh, as Dave said, ready to rock and roll here. So we're going to go through a few things and hopefully provide a little bit of insights that can help you navigate this upcoming week. So uh, first we'll review uh, Friday. This was uh, what the SPY did. Um, we had the January PPI and housing starts. Um, it was it was a fairly hot number that came out again, kind of similar to what we had on Tuesday with the uh, hot CPI numbers. And uh, we did knock us right down um, because we were elevated before that. So it knocked us down through the previous close and um, ended up, you know, trying to bounce a little bit here, but didn't get back up over the previous close. So if you were watching pre-market, that was a bit of a tell. And uh, of course, you can still allow it to, to close the gap since it's opening slightly below. It did spike just briefly for one minute uh, didn't make it through the previous close and then rolled over. We have an opening crossover move and down it went with high signal. So um, what kind of turned it was uh, we've got the Michigan sentiment where um, it comes out actually five minutes before. So you can see this this right here and then uh, the right at the top of the hour we turned. Um, so this I would call this whole thing Michigan sentiment, which actually had a positive uh, spin to it. And it did help bring the market back. And so we did end up filling the gap here by about 1130 or so. And um, we did have, again, some high signal on the way up, too. So if you guys are, you know, watching the market during the day, you got to you got to say, is it is it choppy sideways, you know, whipsawy or is it is it moving somewhere with good signal to noise ratio? That's what we're trying to uh, tap into. We got back up here to the previous close and then we chopped sideways along that again, fell back down and back up again to retest the pre-market highs um, and uh, failed to break higher and rolled back over. And again, really high signal all the way down to close near the low of the day. So that was the um, situation on Friday and it was an expiration Friday as well. So there. There's a lot of extra stuff going on. Uh, we're also in front of a long weekend. So, you know, the Bulls wanted to have their session. The Bears wanted to have theirs and end up being kind of a tug of war with some chop here. So uh, this is the 15 minute chart of the week. And um, we put in uh, the Friday before, which which did rally. And then we we had a continuation of that on the Monday. And then when Tuesday came around, again, that hot CPI numbers knocked us down quite significantly. But if you were paying attention to the way things unfolded, in the last uh, 45 minutes of the day, we first we had a nice hammer, and we uh, so the price rejection on that uh, 15 minute, and then we rallied and broke up for the last 30 minutes here, and so that was a tell. And then after market which I don't show here, but that continued to build. Um, and so it wasn't a surprise that we had an elevated open on the Wednesday. Pulled back, 
more of a, a choppy day, but kind of uh, held held its own okay. And then we built on that for Thursday, and then we came into again hot numbers here and pulled us back, but not as um, dramatically as what we saw here. So market gave it a gave it a pass, I think, and um, we'll see what transpires next week after this uh, close. So definitely uh, closed below Monday's open. So for the week, it was a down a down session from the open to the close of the week. So here's the SPY daily. You can see um, where we're sitting here. So it was uh, an expanded trading range session, but oh, by only a few cents on the on the SPY ETF itself. A few cents in, in both directions. It was a expanded trading range session. Um, but uh, you know, definitely, you know, from having a streak walking up the upper Bollinger Band, uh, those CPI numbers did knock a, knock us down. Took a little bit of wind out of the sails of the of the market, and uh, but we did recover, and um, not a bad, you know, not a bad situation for the bulls here um, as we managed to claw our way back. Okay, here's the cues. Also suffered from the CPI on Tuesday. Uh, oops, spy cues. There's the Dow Jones. So inside day on that one, on the diamonds inside day. Here's the Russell. So we had that really great streak on the Russell, and then on on Tuesday, it pretty much erased uh, almost three days of it. Uh, and then built itself back up. So a lot of volatility in the Russell. It's this, you know, contention with is there growth? Uh, you know, are we going to be, are we getting back to business as usual soon? You know, are the interest rates going to, you know, be favorable for us small caps? Um, and, you know, by the way, we uh, we want to catch up to all the, the party that's been going on in this, you know, S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and even the Dow want to you know catch up to that so it uh certainly came alive here earlier in february so just watch the volatility if you're in that area of playing small caps here's the sector performances for friday in the week basic materials did the best on friday healthcare next uh, communication services was down in the dumps largely because of google you can see that also here for the week so uh, communication services and technologies. So we had a lot of profit taking in these bottom three sectors, cyclical, tech technology and communication services. Lots of profit taking and some concerns about an overheated market um, in light of you know what's going on with interest rates and the dollar and everything like that. Um, but uh, energy uh, did, did really well for the week and uh, we'll take a little uh, closer look at that a bit later. Um, basic materials came in second so the dollar had been elevated and even though the the numbers kind of supported the long dollar trade there there was a bit of a pullback and i think people were kind of thinking well the news is out now and uh you know yeah the dollar could could go a little bit more but it's a good posturing for how discounted commodities actually are relative to the rest of the, of the market. So I think that's uh, that was transpiring there. 
Uh, let's look at our sector performance ETFs, the sector ETFs, sector spiders, we call them. Um, and we have XLE at 2.71 and XLB at 2.44 and uh, XLK down in the dumps at 2.54, followed by um, the Qs here. And uh, you notice that uh, on the on the broader level, the uh, communications, you saw it with the broader market down uh, substantially and with the sector uh, spider itself, not as much. So that's that's the difference between why I showed these two different uh, charts here. This is a broader market and this is uh, just the sector spiders and then uh, the four horsemen here, diamonds, I, IWM, Qs and SPY, okay? Uh, relative volumes, um, all hanging in there, close to one, nothing major to mention there. Volumes are okay. Uh, remember to check your weekly versus um, monthly volatilities and know what you're dealing with when you're using these or trading these sector spiders or using them to hedge with. Map of the market for Friday. You can see uh, Meta having a bad day, Adobe having a really bad day, Airbnb, Nike, some of the other um, discretionary. In the healthcare, look at the difference between Lilly and Gilead. Uh, real estate, again, same thing. So a lot of the the real uh, underperformers are more related to earnings or some specific news on them. In the semiconductors, we have a little pocket of strength here in AMAT, CLAC, and LRCX. And uh, NVIDIA held up uh, pretty pretty well. It's, but it's been in a bit of a consolidation phase. We'll look at that a little bit more. And then this is for the week. You can see Google getting shellacked and Adobe getting shellacked. Okay. Snowflake and Deer getting hit hard there. Here's a daily chart of NVIDIA. So this is the consolidation I was speaking of right up here. Um, there's still a, a pretty big reluctance to sell it ahead of earnings. Uh, but, you know, again, I would recommend that earnings are one of those wild cards. We don't know how it's going to react, whether it will pop up after hours and, you know, do another spike and then pull back from there and actually be down the next day, or whether there'll be a, you know, a miss on what's being expected and, uh, and drop. But this is really important to mention because NVIDIA, whatever happens here could be a catalyst for the sector, obviously, but also for the market, especially technologies, because there's such a big weighting for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ uh, in the technology space. So it can be something that really does impact the market. So keep that in mind. It's not just, oh, well, you know, it's another stock having earnings this this has been such a uh, driver and uh you know crowded trade perhaps um so right now it's a bit of consolidation a little bit of profit taking which i wouldn't i wouldn't blame people if they were already in it to sell some of their position half their position or whatever ahead of an earnings event i wouldn't blame them um you know taking a gamble 
and saying, hey, I'm going to buy it for earnings or I'm going to short it for earnings, that would be an approach that you probably don't want to do. Um, because, again, even if something beats earnings doesn't mean it's going to go up. And just because it misses earnings doesn't mean it's going to go down. We don't know how the market will respond. We could possibly do enough homework and research to get a very good probability and insight into what they'll report, but we still don't know what the market will do as the report comes out. I think it'll be, you know, definitely uh, impactful and not only the sector, but also impact the market. Okay. Here's the daily chart of Google. As you know, it had a bad week here and pulling back, but look where it's sitting here, um, getting um, pretty, not really on the RSI, not really super oversold, but um, still could have some room to, to, to go lower. We'll be definitely looking at this uh, point that we hit here earlier in February to see if it holds up at that level. And if it did, that would probably be a penetration of the lower band as well, and we might get an oversold reading on the RSI. We'd have to go to stock odds, of course, and look at uh, what the probability is for Google over the next day, the next three days, that kind of thing, but certainly uh, discounted. And um, we still have this gap that didn't quite get filled up here. So gap down, we made an attempt to fill up, but it never did. Okay, here's the US dollar. You can see that uh, pullback that we had in spite of the hot CPI and the hot PPI and the you know, fact that we're not anticipating as aggressive of uh, cuts um, and possibly, you know, uh, the Fed won't do anything until July, as I've mentioned before. Um, so the dollar pullback, and that's the support that you saw underneath basic materials and to some degree energy as well, because both are priced in U.S. dollars. So this is a back to our consolidation. This is an important point. We could break back to the upside again or to the downside. Now, I just wanted to show up uh, the Bitcoin versus US dollar uh, because we're uh, coming towards the Bitcoin halving event and uh, crypto has been a lot more in focus. Um, and we can start to use this also for an, an indicator again when it was in this, you know, consolidation phase here or, you know, not really making any new strides and kind of just trading in that range, it wasn't as much of an indicator. But as it broke out in November and started climbing again, um, it's been more useful as a leading indicator because it trades 24-7 and it kind of showcases whether there's a risk appetite, you know, uh, and it's going to play into the technology stocks for sure. And you also have to know which symbols you trade are exposed. I mean, it's one thing if you go and trade Mara, uh, which is a miner, it's another thing to trade, you know, MicroStrategy, which is a holder or a hodler. <laughs> so uh, you got to know what you're trading and how it responds to the price of uh, Bitcoin. But But it's definitely been on a tear. And I fully expect that ahead of a, a key event doesn't mean it's going to continue to go up after the key event. Here's Ethereum, where 95% of the world's uh, apps are built 
uh, crypto apps and so on are built on Ethereum. Um, it's uh, also been grinding up, following Bitcoin to some degree, but also uh, perhaps uh, you know still able to be a little bit insulated to that because of of its use case, not so much as a currency, but but as a you know necessary product in in terms of settling um, you know gas and and things that happen. When you're, when, say, when you're moving crypto on chain or off chain or whatever you're doing with it, there's gas to pay. A lot of times, Ethereum is is used to settle. So um, anyway, keep that in mind. It, it has it marches to the beat of its own drummer to some degree, but it's still very connected to what's going on in Bitcoin. Um, ten year ten year note. You can see that uh, pulling back which means that yields have been rising. Okay, so yields were selling off here. And then they started rising again, little spike of hope. And then we've since, you know, February hit, we've been pulling back. So yields are rising. Here's this West Texas crude. You can see that we're at a three month high here. Um, so there's the $80 of resistance there coming into play again. We are now over the 200-day moving average. Once again, we've had a cross of the 20 over the 50, and the 20 may come and cross this 200. So the question is, uh, you know, fourth time knocking on the door, will that be the charm? Will it pop through and get through that 80 and, and move on up? We still got problems in the Red Sea and elsewhere in the world. So uh, energy is you know, not out, not down and out completely. We had a good week on it last week. There's the XLE. You can see it popped up really well on the daily on Thursday and then held its own there on Friday. So it's got a challenge. XLE's got to definitely challenge the 87 level. Okay. All right, Dave, what do you got here? Yeah. So Tuesday we have US leading economic indicators. And Wednesday, there's something interesting. The Fed minutes are from January. FOMC meeting are being released 2 p.m. on Wednesday. And again, there's a smattering of Fed speak here and there on Wednesday and also on Thursday. And then Thursday, we get uh, the PMI numbers for services and manufacturing. That gives us insight as to economic health of the country and existing home sales. That's nice to know, too. So uh, the themes are Fed speak, um, FOMC minutes on Wednesday. I think the bigger driver is going to be some of the earnings. So on Tuesday, we have a couple of big earnings. We've got uh, Home Depot and Walmart. So again, that's going to show us how the consumer is holding up and what's happening with the housing market in terms of um, remodels and whatnot, and how people are spending. Walmart shows us how the average consumer is spending on groceries and whatnot. But the big one is on Wednesday, NVIDIA. Like Rob said, that that's a key driver for technology, but also for the market itself. Well, I mean, the um, the minutes we've we've seen them to move the market before, right? We've seen the minutes to move the market, so be aware of that. Even though it's like, well, it's you know, kind of a repeat of what we saw in the February February meeting, um, but but I've you know witnessed many uh, many events where the minutes actually move the market. So so make sure you set your clock for that. Um, and you know. 
the economic news can always can always do stuff. But uh, Dave's right. There is a lot of Fed speak, and uh, sometimes they, you know, reinforce Powell's messaging, and sometimes they actually uh, say something that kind of might be a bit against it. You know, so any of these Fed speakers could set the tone. Now we today's Monday. It's a holiday, but it's still a merger Monday. So uh, we've got Capital One buying Discovery Financial. And so it's they're paying a 26% premium over Friday's close. And cough shareholders will own 60% of the combined company. And the it's a it's a it's a share deal, you know, uh, pure shares. So this is the uh, factor that you have to use. So 1.0192 of cough for one of DFS. So that makes it 137.23 times 1.0192 equals 110.49. So that's 20 based on Friday's closing prices. The spread price should be 29.37. So let's see where it opens on Tuesday morning. And it'll be far less than 29.32 because that's what it would be based on Friday's close. But you can see um, that it, it doesn't appear that there was too much leak of information. Now, discovery, discovery has been a bit stronger. So I would put my blow up risk on discovery down at the 105 level here, where it was stable before this recent run. There may be a, a little bit of leak of information here recently, although the market was doing okay, this was stronger than Capital One. So normally when you get a stock merger, if they're paying a big premium, which it's 26%, it's not like crazy, but normally Capital One should move down, be under pressure a little bit as the acquirer and discovery would jump, you know, a good chunk of that 29.37, right? So, um, so discovery will pop up. Now, it could be that Capital One also rises a little bit, and that's going to put a bit of stress on that on that ratio, on that spread number. But um, it's it's happened before as well. Anyway, um, when you get mergers, it can be positive for the market. It can support the market overall. And especially in financials, because, you know, there's a, a lot of financials in the S&P 500. And so it could support some others. Dave, you have any ideas of uh, you know me too, me too tri type trades where uh, uh, some of the companies go, hey, I want to be acquired too, and then they start running up. Yeah, it could bring a lot of excitement into the lower uh, mid 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 cap um, credit services companies like Ally Financial, uh, Synch Synchrony, SoFi, uh, One Main. So. Things that are kind of middle market cap, not the Visas and Mastercards, but there, there may be a bit of um, pop in those stocks because they could be buyout candidates. So true, and and you you also have quite a bit of uh, regional bank exposure in the Russell, and so um, those could also. I, I I think overall there's there's some serious concerns in regional banking, but this might be a temporary uh, boost. Uh, on the back of something like this. So, uh, and then it can also play into how the Russell performs uh, on um, Monday or even for this week, or sorry, Tuesday, or even for this week. 
So that's that. Um, anyway, a pure merger deals you can trade. So you trade with this spread number, which again will change. It might be somewhere around, you know, three to four dollars of spread um, on Tuesday. We'll see where it where it opens and how it performs. And why it would not be zero is because there's still time. This won't close until the fourth quarter this year or the first quarter of 2025. So uh, there's time element, there's uh, regulatory approval element, shareholder approval, all kinds of things. So at this point, you know, it's it's a tentative offer that's subject to approvals. And, um, and so that's why the spread price won't go to zero right away. Ultimately, when the merger is consummated, it does go to zero. Okay. Um, other items and food for thought. So the state media reported over the weekend that about 474 million domestic tourist trips were made during the eight-day holiday, you know, Chinese New Year, up 19% from the same period in 2019. So that's that's it's up pre, you know, COVID even. And so total tourism spending climbed 8%. So this can be favorable to um, some of their the Chinese companies and um, in, the, in the market overall. Uh, so just keep that in mind. That could also play into how Russell performs because there seems to be some correlation there between uh, Chinese stocks and the Russell. There's a trucker's boycott of New York City and potentially other democratic cities. Um, so uh, don't know how big this is going to get but uh something of of note anyway very could be very disruptive uh china selling u.s treasuries um you know they've been going about it orderly but they have dropped their ownership over the you know previous number of years and uh and that might continue and there's some other countries starting to also sell treasuries so we're not in a huge U.S. Treasury demand cycle. It seems the opposite. We're in uh, countries unloading a bit uh, for domestic reasons, perhaps, or for, you know, lack of confidence in U.S. politics reasons. I'm not sure, but um, that's definitely happening. You guys can look into that more. U.S. debt is more and more in focus all the time. You can hear the narrative and it's definitely becoming a political issue as well. And oil is steady at the three months highs. We talked about that earlier. Fourth challenge of resistance could be a success. And with that, we will sign off. You guys have a good one. Good luck. Good trading.